As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 267 of the Wayne's Comics podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week, I talk with Scott Sawyer, the writer and artist on North, a terrific comic about a Canadian superhero team. And anybody who listens to this podcast knows I love teams from other locations. So I really enjoyed this book. I think Scott did a terrific job, and it was a pleasure to speak with him. We discuss how the series came to be, the impact that his filmmaking career has had on being a comics creator, as well as things that we can expect from him in the future. One quick note, the introduction to his interview is taken from the successful Kickstarter that he ran to get this comic to happen, and he's looking for your help now as well, which we'll talk about during the interview. You can download a preview of issue number one at his website, norththecomic.com, and look for that on the site. And you can also buy that first book there as well. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy what he has to say. There's a lot to get to. So let's get on with the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Scott Sawyer, creator and illustrator of North. I grew up with comic books, and as we grow, we start to see the world through a different lens. And if you're anything like me, you've come to expect more from your comics than ever before. So I wrote us a comic book, and I wrote us a whole new mythology. This is our story in the medium we love, told from an angle you've never expected. In North, superheroes are more an American thing. South of the border, the American dream mentality is manifested in larger-than-life heroes and villains centered mostly in major cities around the states. While their humble cousins to the north had only a handful of masked heroes back in the 80s, and that ended horribly for all of them. Since then, in Canada, masked good and evil, and the tragedy that resulted has become a part of our history. Current day, Toronto. Casey Van Allen, the offspring of the fallen legendary hero, Major Snow, has learned that the monster responsible for her father's death, the arch-villain Lord Rain, is alive and well, living the good life after effectively staging his death years ago. 
Determined to follow in her father's footsteps and to bring in the man who killed the national treasure, the young woman suits up and unearths a team of gifted misfits to help her in her mission. With special abilities that combine should be enough to apprehend the now elderly Lord Rain, Casey's team bites off more than they can chew and accidentally awaken a beast that has laid dormant for the last 30 years. The well-intended group accidentally triggered the country's second age of heroes and villains, and only a mysterious flag-waving mentor can keep them alive through the journey ahead. It's great to welcome to the podcast Scott Sawyer, the creator of North, a comic book series based in Canada, which is where you are, aren't you, Scott? Yeah, I'm currently talking to you from Toronto. Wow, and you were saying that there's some snow going on up there while we're talking. <laughs> there is. As cliche as it sounds, it is indeed snowing here in the in the north. Yeah, well, something else, because Canada is a whole different place compared to the United States. And not that we're very far apart, but our cultures are very different. And that's one of the things I really love about your comic book, is I get to understand a little bit more about Canadian culture and the different kinds of characters that you guys have involved in it. And things like that. Now, I did a little research, and I saw that you've been reading comics for quite a long time. Do you remember the first comic you ever read? I have flashes, um, and I'm not sure entirely which of them came first. I know that Archie Comics was uh, some form of a gateway for me, mm -hmm. but I also know that the Amazing Spider-Man cartoon from as far back as I can remember, as long as I could open eyes and sit up right in front of a TV, <laughs> that came out in 68. I was born in 75, wow. and I think the hook was set at that point. It was just a matter of time. So once I uh, developed a little further as a reader, I think I fell quite naturally into comics. And one of the first comic books I remember was from, I think it was Gold Key Comics, and it was called Brothers of the Spear. Mm. I wish I could remember who drew it. It was a style that was not unlike Bern Hogarth, who has that instructional series about how to draw anatomy and so on. Mm -hmm. Or it might have been, it could have been Kubert, uh, mm -hmm. Joe Kubert. Oh, Joe Kubert, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people have been influenced by him over time. That's just amazing mm -hmm. stuff. Okay, so that's the basic. Now, I, I also understand you're a filmmaker. You're an actor, a director, a writer of films and stuff like that. And you've been in, what, four films, is my understanding? You know what? I would say that it wouldn't take long to talk about the films I've been in. Huh. I spent many years banging away at film with not a lot to show for it. I developed... Uh, along the way, almost accidentally, uh, as a storyteller, which is great and has served me well with North. But I have taken a, a step back from it. I love filmmaking, but when my daughter was born and uh, I hit about year 13 or 14 in film or pursuing film in Canada, which is a grind of a different color over here, mm -hmm. it was just, I just didn't have the blind optimism anymore that this chase was going to provide for me in any way. Mm -hmm. And I kind of chuckle when I uh, tell people that I've changed it up for. Uh, a possible career in comic books, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, you know, because again, it's just the arts and the arts isn't there to provide for you. If you can find a way to make it so, then great. But right now I'm back to my first love, which was illustration. Storytelling uh, is part of me and it doesn't matter what the medium is. So uh, although I don't know if I'll ever return to film, it was a nice natural progression years and years of storyboarding, conceptual artwork, and script writing as well. So for all the times that I wasn't in front of the camera, which was many, many years, yeah. I did uh, develop my other skills, and it served me well so far. So I always ask that because Jeff Johns, who was one of my very favorite writers, is a film person. He started off in film, working like with Richard Donner on Superman many, many moons ago. And you can tell there's sort of a cinematic feel the way he's doing. And I have got that when I was reading your book, North, I got that same kind of a feeling that you think visually when you do these things. 
Which Very is, much so. Which is a big help, but, especially now. We're kind of used to television and movies and stuff like that. Say back in the 60s when comics were, were really coming of age, there wasn't a lot of that. People did things more, uh, it was just sort of conceptually what people thought. But now we're used to those kinds of things, and I think you have a real advantage having that in your background. Well, you know what? It feels right. And I think when you think like a cinematographer where you're wondering where your camera is going to be pointed and what's the best way to convey whatever moment it is that you're you're trying to convey or whatever the script calls for. If you can think like that, which clearly I've begun to do over the years, yeah, it, it probably does put you a little bit ahead of the game because I think remembering myself uh, all the way up through till probably – 99, the early 2000s, most of my artwork was not sequential at all. It was actually uh, mostly pinup stuff. When you go to Artist Alley in a big comic convention and you want to get your stuff critiqued, and then you've got these established sequential drawers who are looking at your stuff saying, well, okay, but can you tell a story? Mm. You know, you've got this lovely pinup, uh, and, you know, it's probably tailored to all to suit all your limitations and your talents at the same time. And then when you get into storyboarding, you realize that, you know, and I was doing this for scripts, my own, others, and you are forced into this tiny little rectangle that's the same shape with every single storyboard, and you've got to draw hundreds of them. Mm-hmm. So it's a wonderful exercise, and it was a backdoor into comic book illustration for me without even realizing it. So when I finally sat down to tell the story that I wanted to, it was uh, an unforeseen benefit. Okay. Of course, you bring up subjects I've got to ask, and I always ask people who draw and write. Are you more of an artist? Are you more of a writer? Are you a writer who draws or an artist who writes? How do you see yourself as far as like a creator, as far as comic books go? Do you know what? I would um, see people understand titles. I I refrain from using labels. It makes me sound defensive. Mm -hmm. But I would say storyteller is the term that comes out of my mouth all the time Mm -hmm. because – an established artist looks at my stuff and can pick it apart for all the things that need work. Whereas someone who can't draw would look at my stuff and say, well, I can't believe you can do this. It's kind of like me watching someone play Mary Had a Little Lamb on a guitar. I'm in awe because I can't do that. But a professional would not be blown away. Writing for me has been the thing that I started working on in year 2000. And it's been wonderful. I mean, I, it's a fantastic experience. I've spent more hours doing that than probably any other thing. So I'm glad because up until that point, I had only been an illustrator. So, you know, the illustration took a backseat to the writing for a long time. And I find myself kind of jumping back into both with uh, an older, more mature perspective on things and maybe able to see the old habits that I used to fall into, both in writing and in illustration. So Mm -hmm. it's a good age to be right now, uh, taking a poke at my first comic book. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a couple of things to talk about before we dive into the book itself. I noticed that you had North come together via Kickstarter, which is a lot of the people I speak with on this podcast use Kickstarter to be able to fundraise and make things happen. And I saw you did that successfully. What was your experience with that? Do you still recommend that for people who are trying to get their books created? I do, but not without some disclaimers. So first of all, a Kickstarter, yes, an absolutely wonderful development crowdfunding for me was kind of, I don't know, regarded it much like a unicorn. I was apprehensive, this whole concept that uh, there were people out there who just wanted to give their money away (laughs) because I haven't had the benefit of a surplus of money (laughs) that I'm throwing out or giving away. So I think that people with real jobs who may or may not be artistically inclined but enjoy art 
are excited to get behind something that they believe in. Mm -hmm. And I'll use that phrase to carry on into the next point, which is you have to give them something to believe in and it can't be vague. Mm -hmm. So I would never do a Kickstarter unless I had a, a large amount of work already done. Mm -hmm. And I learned that from film because film is such a huge collaboration. So everything from the dollars required right down to this person that's going to hold the camera, hold the light, hold the boom, you name it, make the coffee. All of these people need to believe in what you're doing because chances are you don't have the money to properly pay them. So you're doing some lesser version of having them work for something, whether it be the experience or more of a token payment or the footage, you never know what. So I think that, I think I just talked myself out of a point. <laughs> That's why I don't have my own podcast. Um, so when I would pitch my concepts to people in terms of film, you're asking a lot. And I've come to realize that the more you have done to show them a script written, storyboards done, like go the extra mile and then some to show that it's not just a flighty idea or an underdeveloped thing that you really want people to pay you so that you can sit back and like develop your dream. Mm -hmm. Have as much of it developed as you can before you bother to ask people because you really want to convey to them, especially in a visual medium, what is the story and why is it wonderful? Why does it need to be told? And what have you done? Like, do you believe in it? And what, have, you know, so for me, when we went to put the Kickstarter campaign together with a background in film and an understanding that campaigns with videos did better statistically than ones without, yeah. it was very natural for me to jump with some trusted friends into a very small little video project that could better convey what North was. And luckily, because I love this concept and because I just love to draw and write, I've been working on this for years. It was probably six and a half years before we actually decided to throw a Kickstarter. And I say we because now we is everyone that came in on the Kickstarter. Now we is the colors that I pay and the letter that I pay, both of whom are tremendous teammates and kind of came on board when we had the funding. Mm -hmm. Some of them even invested a little bit beforehand. Anyway, I guess the point being is that I've watched campaigns struggle and mm -hmm. I've watched them fail mm -hmm. uh, and I've watched ones do incredibly well. And I can't say there's a rule that holds for all, but I was going to say, if you would bet one of your dreams on something, make sure that you have shown some sacrifice yourself. Well, I have to tell you, there was a Kickstarter I came across, and it was a guy who said, look, I want to make a comic, but I got no money, and I got nothing to show for you, but just give me the money, and I'll make one. And the response to people were like, what? Are you serious? We're not going to give you any money. You could just go off and you know go to the bar and do stuff with that. How are we going to trust that you're actually going to make a comic out of this? And I think you're absolutely right. And I think that when I've looked over successful campaigns, I've always seen that they have good material that people can get behind as part of their project. And I think that that is so critical Yeah. for that. I just think it's – now, which, of course, i got to ask. Before we get off the subject of Kickstarters, you've got the first volume done of North, as I understand it. Yeah. I, yeah. Is the, you, you, doubtless you've got more in mind. Going to Kickstarter again as time goes along? So just a little background, and again, to celebrate this uh, crowdfunding platform, mm -hmm. we hit 100% in eight days. So we oh. had our first book funded in eight days. Now, I'm not going to pretend that that was the Kickstarter community, because in all honesty, only one major, major donor was a stranger. And most people were either family and friends who just wanted to help me get this thing made mm -hmm. and realize the dream, or 
They were just passers-by through Kickstarter who threw in a little bit here and there. So we had a lot of help, as I've heard is common with first campaigns. Mm -hmm. And then the second stretch of time was over a month and a half that we had left because it was a two-month campaign. Mm. Then we realized, well, what's next? I had 13 written. I had three drawn the issues. Mm-hmm. So we realized we, you know, we had to do something with the remaining time because we couldn't claim the money until it was done. Mm-hmm. So we just kind of hung in there and, and did what we could to raise more. And we funded, we got enough funding to about 178% of the goal to fund the coloring and lettering of the second issue, which is underway right now. Cool. Very cool. See, that's the way to do it. If, if you can at all do that, because I also help out with an indie comic. Do you consider North an independent or an indie comic? I guess I have to, yeah, because we started up a, a little company called Novel Comics, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know uh, whenever I call the local comic shops to see how sales are going, mm-hmm. they'll say, you know what, it's doing really well for an indie comic. Oh, so uh, okay. you know, never as well as you'd like it to, because ultimately the money we make from issues number one and two need to go on to make two and three possible, and so mm-hmm. on and so on. So. Mm-hmm. Now, I have to ask, we're getting into all the technical stuff before we get into the book itself. What about like Diamond? Can you guys get into Diamond? Is that Have you applied for that? What about like Comixology and things like that? I'm actually filling out forms for Comixology right now. Okay. Um, and of course, they're connected with Amazon. So one thing I can't do is pretend to be one of the big guys and operate as such. We just don't have the capital. Mm-hmm. Even the idea of going to Diamond, for example, is something that, if, if I'm not mistaken, costs like a few thousand or more just to get an ad in there. Mm-hmm. And we don't have the marketing to suggest that anyone would jump at the chance to have North on their shelves. Mm-hmm. We're just not out there in that way yet. Not to mention the price right now for a hard copy of North is uh, $10, which is steep for a comic book unless you know the story behind it Mm -hmm. and want to get behind something that has the grassroots kind of beginnings to it. But we can't afford the massive print runs that the larger companies can that allow you to charge so much less for the books. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that answered your question. Um, Yeah, well, but but about Comixology, because let me tell you why I'm big on Comixology is that North... If it's on there, it gets the same amount of space as Action Comics does, which is one of my favorite things to say. And I've often gone on to Comixology, have a little extra money. I go through there, and I see something that intrigues me, and I buy it, and I get into the series that way. Yeah, that's the hope. And I have friends that are that way as well. I have younger friends who are uh, more tech-savvy, a little more in touch with what's going on. And they do a lot of their shopping and take a lot of their risks, just like you described, mm-hmm. on new comics uh, through Comixology and other platforms. So. It would be a fool to deny that the industry hasn't shifted. It may not have wiped out print at all, but at the same time, they both exist and are very kind of strong aspects of the business. So as soon as I can get up there, that would be great. And right now, even on our website, which is www.norththecomic.com, we have digital copies for sale as well. Well, it's .ca, isn't it? Isn't it Canadian? Or have you also got the .com? Yeah, it's either. It's okay. either, actually. Works good. One other thing before we get into the book is I saw on Facebook you mentioned that you're going to get to go to a convention. You said it's going to be your first one with actual books to sell. Yeah. Do you want to talk yeah. a little bit about that? Because that, that's going to be a fun experience for you, I think. It was from friends of ours from the Silver Snail, which is a major comic shop in Toronto. Mm-hmm. My daughter and I have been going there for years. And then suddenly here we were with our Kickstarter done, a comic book coming out this big, big fan expo that we didn't want to miss, but the timing was terrible because we didn't actually have product. So we had a little space at this larger store's 
table and were able to talk for four days and hand out flyers and collect emails from people who bothered to stop and thought there was something interesting about what we were trying to do. So I spent a good four days at my first convention just talking and not selling anything. Mm-hmm. But here we are again now, and we have number one is already out and in stores. Number two is underway, and hopefully we'll have that in print. We're raising the print budget for that book right now. And yeah, this one is called the Toronto Comic Con, mm-hmm. and it's in the middle of March, and I'm super excited to be there. And it's the first time that we're actually going to have merchandise or product. So, cool. you know, I'd like, I'd like to see if we can get our hands on some shirts before then. But ultimately, you know, we have to start pushing the comic book. And funny enough, just yesterday, although I don't want to at this time reveal which one because I'm just I don't want to celebrate anything until it's in our hands. Mm-hmm. But we're in talks with a box company right now, a subscription box company. Ooh. Yeah. Boy, that's a huge help because like Loot Crate, I don't know if you've ever, ever seen this uh, show called Orphan Black. And they did a comic book based on it. It shows on BBC America over here. I don't, don't know if it's even in the, in the UK. But their Loot Crate had decided to do like a spy month. And they put that book in there was the book that you got. If you bought that month, you got Orphan Black number one in there. And that made it the number one comic of the month. Interesting. I was shocked when I said, I said how in the world can Orphan Black... You know, it's a, it's a good show. I like the show real well. But how in the world does the show end up number one comics there's a lot of people who like to watch a show but they don't want to buy the comic and it just turned out that they were included with that loot crate one that month and i don't know which one you're talking to there's there's several out there now but the fact that it was in that loot crate box that month made it the number one comic of the month well that's great and you know what i mean that's what you hope for right i mean you one thing i've noticed is that you can't sit on or not take advantage of opportunities you have to swing at everything and uh, you don't get to choose which thing leads to the big opportunities and what doesn't and uh, trying to figure out all these things that I'm not necessarily naturally wired for. Mm -hmm. So what I would like to be doing is sitting and having someone else take care of all of this marketing and this and that. I mean, I absolutely love speaking to people. So that's not the part that worries me. What worries me is, am I getting it out there? Am I making the calls that I need to be making? Am I knocking on the doors? I mean, there are some people that just do this stuff so naturally. And for me, I really have to force myself out of my comfort zone. Because hmm. I was talking to Joshua Williamson up at uh, New York Comic Con this past year, and he was a he's got much in like a situation like you were. He had different comics at different companies, and he he said that he spent fifty percent of his time actually doing the work, and fifty percent of the time trying to find the work that he could do. Yeah, you know, and he'd be on social media, he'd be doing all kinds of stuff on that. And so I imagine your experience is somewhat similar to that. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's funny. I was thinking before we were talking, I don't know why this came into my head, but I know these gentlemen who have a studio in in, uh, Toronto called Raid, and they were all very supportive through the years that I could come in and show them what I was doing and ask for pointers and just, you know, really soak in inspiration from them as well, because they're just wonderful what they do. And these guys are all pros. I mean, they've been banging away at this for 20 plus years, some of them, and they're living it. I, by comparison, would probably seem to them to be a tourist (laughs) passing through. And I was thinking about the fact that one of the things that I think I heard one guy say this in particular, that he would love to be doing his own stuff, (laughs) that his own stories. And I think a lot of them have tried some web comics and stuff, some of them to different degrees of success. But it always made me think like, well, I mean, I, here I am working some version of a nine to five. It's actually a night job at a bar. 
and I work 35 hours a week and there's no way around that for me, not right now. Mm -hmm. And I have a daughter that I raised during the day until just recently she was able to go to school uh, for the first year. And it was like the hours in between. There's a foreword in the comic about this. It's really something that I did, not because it was paying even a single bill. Uh, if anything, it was time that I spent gladly because it's the thing that I've loved since I was a boy. Mm -hmm. And not just drawing and the writing, but I wrote for two and a half years, got the 13-issue story arc, volume one done, and then spent the years since, which amounts to about four now, working away on the artwork. And that brings us to about three issues. And they're not small issues either. They're quite hefty. So they would envy me the fact maybe that I've been able to sit and do a story that I love. But these guys find it hard to steal time away because they need to do the jobs that pay their bills. And there is no, for a lot of them, they've they've reached that point where they're not going to work at a bar again or anything like that. They don't want to. Mm -hmm. So the realities of that is that they work for other people telling other people's stories and dreams and mm -hmm. maybe secretly wishing they could really find that magic moment that perfect storm where they could sit and do their own stuff. And for me, it's like, no, I've got to do a job that I'm not real thrilled about for 35 hours a week and then, mm -hmm. you know, and steal time when I can. So I'm hoping at best case scenario, something shifts for us at some point. Mm -hmm. And this isn't something that I have to like steal hours to do. I would like to be able to give this the attention that I feel it deserves. Let's hope you do it. Cause when I looked at the book and I got to say, I really enjoy the book. I think the book is a great book. I think Thanks. that the, the, the art is terrific. Sometimes it seems to, as you mentioned in there, you experiment a little with different styles and different parts of the book. And I liked it. it. Sometimes it has a little more of a painted feel, sometimes a little more of a drawn feel to me. But I thought the pacing was really good. I love the characters. I think the whole concept of a Canadian group is something that we have never been able to fully explore in my mind. I mean, we've had Alpha Flight and we've had other groups, you know, Wolverine, of course, is from Canada and stuff. But the thing of it is, is you've developed a group that I think is very well thought out. You no. know, I don't think a lot of the other culture type groups, I like them real well and I'm often real big on them, but I don't think they're as well put together as your group is. Well, you know, one of the problems with film, which ties directly into, you know, storytelling in general, people underestimate, I guess, what it takes to write a story that's actually going to hold up and be satisfying for a reader. We have ideas that are near and dear to us, but uh, it, it's pretty common in the arts because there are no controls on these things, which is bittersweet. It's great that anybody can be an artist whenever they want, but maybe there's a downside to it when a lot of resources get burned up to create stories that turns out our uh, creator's first foray into writing. Mm -hmm. I can suffer mediocre illustration mm -hmm. or stuff that doesn't necessarily speak to me if the story is great. Mm -hmm. I can learn to love the art if the story is great. But if the story is not there, mm -hmm. if you've got someone who thought, you know what, I'm going to put pen to paper, how hard could it be? Well, one of the biggest problems with Canadian film, and I often gripe about this, is that people do not have enough respect for the fact that any one of these jobs within the industry is an art form, it's a craft. And if you're just starting out, you don't fill 90 pages up with text and say, let's go to camera. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like, no, it's like, it, you know how many hours they say? I know it's cliche, but it takes, what, 10,000 hours to get really good at anything? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, writing's the same thing. And yet, because everyone's got a keyboard, how hard could it be? And I think that like I said, I was glad that I was the age I was and had the background that I did before I tackled my first comic book because it would have been a nightmare if I tackled it 10, 20 years prior. 
Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk a little bit about the players, too, because I really like the fact that you have a female lead. She's called Casey, and on your website, there's a page that's devoted to the players. We find out that she's the daughter of a legendary fallen hero by the name of Major Snow, which I right away drew my attention because a lot of people, you know, heroes just sort of pop out of nowhere. You know, Peter Parker gets bitten by a spider, and he becomes Spider-Man. But what you've done is you've actually had a lot of stuff developed before we drop into the story which is something you can draw on as you tell the story so i like that quite a bit about her and i'm sure the other characters as well you've got i don't know how you pronounce it is it adenak yep the flag wearing hero and of course he's mysterious because we don't exactly know anything about him we do know more about casey who's the leader mm-hmm. and i you know the as the different ones are kind of mysterious other ones will have backstory I think you did a really good job of pulling those kinds of things together, giving us different kinds of characters. Strong females, uh, mysterious males. You know, you've even got, what I get. I have to say, Dean is the one I get a kick on the website. He's described as the monster slash the sexy, <laughs> which I got a huge yeah. kick out of. I, thought, I had to laugh about that. And he says he's a witty, proper werewolf whose silver tongue and sharp claws make him the best and the worst part of your day. <laughs> I love that description of him. I thought that was really, really great stuff about that. Is he always a werewolf now, or is he? What's the story with him? Uh, I can't give too much away. Okay. <laughs> um, all, all these guys, I tried to make sure that there was an adventure kind of waiting in each of them. So he is a lot of fun, and uh, he's. Uh, you know what's funny? Sorry, I don't know where to start. And thank you because hearing people talk about the characters. Mm-hmm makes me feel a little less alone because I, uh, it's kind of a solitary journey. Mm-hmm. People that have helped me have been wonderful and let me know that I'm not alone, but my, my understanding and my relationship with the characters, my closeness to them is something that's very kind of personal. So when I hear people talk about it, I get giddy because I'm like, oh my God, you've met him. <laughs> yeah. And I would say this, the history, so with the Casey, yeah, the female lead and her father, who was the uh, old school hero, this was kind of born of my wish list of if I was going to sit down and make not just a comic book, but a comic book that we kind of felt, and as you gave voice to, we were kind of missing. As a Canadian kid growing up, there wasn't a ton of stuff to choose from, mm-hmm. and there was some stuff, but it was just, you know, even those people were in very early stages of their own development. So most of the stuff we created was American, and what I wanted to do was write the thing that we wish existed through all those decades that I read comic books. And it was a great challenge, but a great opportunity as well, because there's a history there that didn't exist, so you get to write it. Mm -hmm. And that was exciting. And then, of course, creating, laying that foundation, and then also reveling in the possibility of a variety of characters instead of just one, and then having to choose which popular kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? What model of hero is he going to be the the brooding type? Is he going to be this or that? Mm-hmm. Is he going to be the witty one? And if someone like if you just if you have one story about one character, you kind of have to choose. Mm-hmm. So it was wonderful to work with the stories that were evolved usually from illustrations and many of them from a long, long time ago for me, mm-hmm. and just throw them all together in a melding pot. And ironically enough, as you were discussing before we uh, went on the uh, cast, mm-hmm. there's a melding pot kind of thing that Canada is known for. And I think I had a lot of fun not feeling limited to one character, but pulling in an entire variety, some of them with cultural differences and and others with just stories that make them so different. And uh, hopefully there's something in it for everyone. There's three women uh, of different ages, one being the youngest, a girl named Allie, 
and there's four four guys, and you know there's a cast of secondary and tertiary characters that await, and villains, and Canadians and Americans. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of excited about the whole thing. Well, I, you know, I, I do want to talk about Bodica, who I really like, the eight foot tall robot, artificial intelligence, who is very Spock like in the way he looks at things, but yet he's got a lot of intelligence involved in it too. He's not just a you know, I was, you know, I was just thinking about Magnus, the robot fighter, and he was forever punching robots who really had no intelligence at all, basically. But this guy is, Bodica has a, you know, I was going to say too about your characters that they breathe for me, that they have personalities, that I don't, they're not necessarily just like a video game where there's a lot of shooting and punching and stuff going on. I actually start to care about the characters pretty quickly in your book. You've got Alan, who you describe as a janitor with a flight suit in the heart of a hero. You don't see that kind of guy very often in a, a comic book. So th- I thought you were breaking new ground with him. I thought a lot of these things are very, you know, you're, you're doing what an established character might do, but you're adding your own spin to it, your own fleshing out of it. And so that was one of the things, I, you know, one of the reasons I, I like to, I, I think that's a good thing about the book is that you have done something really unique with it in the sense that you haven't just... You haven't just taken Wolverine and put a different costume on him. You've developed different people who make a lot of sense in your own way. So I, I thought that was something I really wanted to make sure I told you about. I like that quite a lot about the book. I appreciate the kind words. And again, like it, it, it is kind of exciting to hear it, not just because it's complimentary, but rather just because, you know, connecting, affecting people. I mean, it's the hope when you do sit down to write something, you're not going to experience that kind of vapid vacant hollow superficial kind of writing that some people uh unfortunately find a way to get made and into your hands Mm -hmm. it's okay for everyone to be on at different stages of their evolution but we do remember the well-developed stories and we do tend to remember the ones that we're not so i have to tell you too though the the bad guy in this thing is called lord rain and it's r-e-i-g-n yeah. Uh, and he's basically, he was believed dead since the 1980s. And the stuff that's going on with him, and I don't want to spoil it here, but let's just say that he's not just a, a well, even Dr. Doom has gotten watered down over years. He's not very much like a watered down. He's got a really interesting story and things going on that I really like. I was very surprised by it. You know, I had to say, but a lot of the bad guys are, you know, mustache twirling type guys. And to see Lord Rain was something very different than that. There was something going on with him that I was really like, boy, that's interesting. I'm fascinated by that. So even the bad guys are interesting in the book. So I think that that's as far as like North goes. And I always want to tell people, get this book. And that's why I'm encouraging, you know, comicsology, any ways that you can do it. It's the way to do it. And it sounds like the website is really the, the one of the best ways. You have a shop on the website, right? Yes, we do, yes. And we've actually uh, carried over – first of all, uh, we'll get back to Lord Rain in a second. We've mm-hmm. actually – because of the success of some of the Kickstarter, I guess, efforts, mm-hmm. we've kind of carried some of them over. And we're happy to kind of continue to provide people with those kind of rewards if they want to support the concept. And we, we had one guy that came in and wanted – his two kids who are grown young adults and three dogs put in the comic book and they're all in there now. And that was a thousand dollar reward that we put up there in a Hail Mary. We didn't actually think anybody would do that. (laughs) But again, you've got people out there that have done well for themselves and love the arts and love to support. And uh, again, I may not be able to relate to that lifestyle or that uh, (laughs) tax bracket or whatever, but at the same time, it's really nice that people care enough and are excited enough about something that you're doing to kind of step in. And I've had 
wonderful conversations with him and I actually got to sit across the table from him and hand over a lot of original artwork signed for his kids <laughs> and show him this comic book. And, I, you know, I've watched different degrees of comic book fans hold it in their hand like a newborn baby. And it's so <laughs> funny, you know, the ones that don't want to, like, get a fingerprint on it, that don't want it's 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 really surreal to be on this side of it at this stage because I know I was that kid mm -hmm. who would hold a book in his hand and just like, oh, you know, they couldn't wait to get his mom to drive him to the comic book shop mm -hmm. locally in Sudbury where I grew up, which funny enough is being carried there right now. And thanks to them for that. That's Comics North in Sudbury. It's been a great ride. The store, the rewards that we have on the site are anything from pick up a, a book, pick up two books, pick up a digital copy, get a poster, other things that are a little more lofty where you get original artwork or prints of artwork or get yourself drawn in. We had another guy that came in. Uh, I hadn't seen him in 20 years and he came in and said, put my face in the comic book. And it was yeah. almost an $800 donation. So, you know, it just, we were lucky because we met some new people, but I'll, I would never be here without the people that I already knew. So I'm very, very grateful of it. Mm -hmm. Now, you're going to say something about Lord Rain. I, oh, yes. Sorry, I do ramble on. Um, well, same here. Yeah. <laughs> Lord Ramble. Uh, <laughs> Lord Rain, uh, yeah, that's a tall order when you want to make one of the baddest of the bad, but yet not make him dull and mm -hmm. predictable. And I can say that issue number two really goes a distance in kind of fleshing out who he is and why he is who he is. So I'm excited to get that in people's hands. And it's actually currently like I'm watching some of the first pages of him being colored right now. Some of the illustrations you'll see on the Kickstarter video are being colored by our tremendous artist named Falk, who's been such a wonderful guy to work with. My guy, Andrew, is my letterer, Andrew Thomas. He's fantastic and a teammate. Like, you know, yeah, I just fell into the best possible company for this project. Mm hmm. Yeah. Really cool. Well, I have to tell you, because I, I help out on an indie comic as well, and it's called Stabity Bunny, and people who listen to the podcast know about that. And the thing that's really funny about it is to watch the thing go from in my friend's head down to the page has really been a great experience for him. He, he found this colorist, a lady who lives in the Philippines, and when the pages come back and you see her coloring, he just goes like, wow, I, you know, in my mind, I didn't even see it that good. Yeah. kind of stuff and I'm sure that's your experience too when you get the stuff back there's been times when he's had a lot of dialogue and we worry how is that going to fit on the page but yet the letterer can make all that stuff fit and look right yeah 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 that's why I'm always spitting out we I mean it's it's hard for me I bounce between saying I and we constantly you'll notice mm -hmm. and it's because I want to claim some of it for myself but at the same time it's been such a wonderful collaboration with these guys we just had another tremendous painter uh, Armando do the cover for issue number two is a, a, a nod to Star Wars with the uh, North characters in it. Mm -hmm. And it's just such a, a pleasure to watch artwork that kind of, well, this is original artwork with the, uh, the cover for number two. Mm -hmm. But when I get my pages back from my colorist, it's kind of like it kind of becomes their work. Mm -hmm. I'm reminded by other people that it's mine, but I really, I see it as kind of theirs at that point. And it's kind of a necessary joy that you have to develop mm -hmm. or else you're going to suffer as a creator. If you can't imagine sharing your stuff with other talented people and allow them to do their thing to make your product better, then you're not far enough along in your lessons. Mm -hmm. Well, when we're talking about covers, I thought the cover of the first book is really good. You know, that they're standing around a compass and the compass is pointing north. 
Yeah. And I love the the way that was done. We get to see the different characters, and you could but the way that they're standing there on some level portrays who they are, the yeah. way they look and stuff. Which I thought, you know, you were talking about the fact that you did oftentimes uh, like a, a pinup or a, a single piece of art, but I've often told people, and I talk to people who can do those kinds of things. You can tell a story in a single piece of art if you do it right. No, you're right. You're right. Actually, that was purchased by a friend of mine, and uh, he was so excited to get it. And no one had really spoken up for it, so it was my pleasure to uh, make sure that he got it. And if things go through with that box company, I might actually – because they're asking for a new cover variant. And it occurred to me that I could absolutely draw a new picture, but I was also thinking, what if I did just a pencils version and made some interesting – graphics like maybe my hand drawing or something on top of the actual image i don't know something funny or i I don't know but i thought it might be interesting because a lot of people do appreciate the development stages of a book so Mm -hmm. you know i don't know whether or not a variant cover with raw pencils and blue underneath is something that would appeal to people or not but at least it would be exclusive to that uh, subscription company Mm -hmm. and something that they can't get anywhere else a company like that's going to love yeah, they insist on it, actually. Well, that's good. Well, that's a good thing because it makes something that they get unusual. There's a local store that supports the book that I help on, and we get their store logo put on comics. We can There's a place we can order like a certain number of them, and we can get their, their store logo put on the thing. So it's, it's uniquely their comic, hmm. which is a really cool thing. And they love that, and they sell through those like pretty quickly because it does a, it, it, it's something that's unique to them. Yeah. yeah, it's really good stuff. So, yeah, I, th- I think that North is off to a terrific start. I really do. I, I love the story of it. I love, of course, you, and I don't want to spoil anything, but let's just say that you want to get the next issue after you get to the last panel. There's, <laughs> things, there's things you got to know. You got what's going to happen next, which I really yeah, enjoyed. I've caught some flack from people for that. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. If you resolve a story at the end of a comic, why pick up another one? Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. It was uh, deliberate. <laughs> That's right. Do you want people to come back for issue number two? Speaking of which, let's get on to issue number two. You said you're doing good progress with issue number two. Do you have an idea as to when you're expecting that to come out? Well, we have a challenge right now, and it is actually raising enough to be able to fund the physical print of number two. So mm-hmm. we still have enough of the Kickstarter funds left mm-hmm. to pay the colorist and the letterer to catch up to me because I already had this issue like penciled ahead of time. So is it coming along right now? It's coming along wonderfully. There is a a harsh reality waiting for us, and that is that the money to get it printed is not in our hands yet. And there are some people who have offered to uh, help out if and when we need it. It's something that just me personally, my conscience uh, struggles with that a little bit. But, um, you know, again, there are people out there that are not in my situation they're in their situation and mm-hmm. the idea of helping out with something that in- entertains them for somebody that hopefully isn't the worst kind of dude they've ever met <laughs> mm-hmm. is something that is they're all too happy to do so i may have to uh, put out a smoke signal and see whether or not uh, you know and uh, it's going to get done it's just a matter of when i would like to see it out in print by the end of february mm-hmm. i know my colorist is going to be done before then but my concern of course is the uh, expense we got to raise about $2,200 to do a run of 2000 mm-hmm. and it's a lot of money or it's not. It really depends on who's involved. Mm-hmm. Well, I noticed on your website you've got a contact page, Contact Us, and you talk about uh, your general stuff and you give a, two ways to reach you. You've got norththecomic at outlook.com 
and you've got a form you can fill out that you can send to that people if they get in touch with you. If somebody wants to help you with this kind of a, a thing, maybe that's the way to do it. Go to your website and go to the Contact Us page and volunteer to do that. Well, I appreciate the uh, endorsement. Because <laughs> I think it's a great book. Again, I say... I learn so much when I read something from another culture, and there's a lot of interesting things that go on in the comic that I really found fascinating and different from what I'm used to reading, and I always like that in a comic. So I like that very much. I have to say, one of the great things is that you did a Canadian team. Instead of, you know, because so many people want to do American things. I see people in other cultures trying to do American heroes and stuff like that. And I'm always kind of like, well, what can you do in your culture, in your area? You know, what kinds of things can you do that's different that we could enjoy that's not the same thing I've read for all my life? Because I've been decades I've been reading comics. And if I find something different like your book, I'm just thrilled by it because there's not nearly enough of that out there, in my opinion. So that's why I encourage people, get involved with this if you can. If, if you do another Kickstarter, we, as far as like keeping up with you, you're on Facebook. Yeah. And are you on Twitter as well? Uh, as an individual, yeah. I don't think I am as uh, – you know what? Obviously, I'm not on Twitter enough where I'd be able to answer this. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, again, the artists uh, kind of self-sabotage the things, the, the million things we should do for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess keeping in touch, it's a good question. I would say go to the website and reach out with that contact email. Mm-hmm. We're having a little bit of an issue with one of the uh, sites that we use. It's called MailChimp. Mm-hmm. A lot of people that were at the expo wrote down their names and kind of so many of them were chicken scratch that oh. we had, had to guess at a lot of them. Mm. We sent out this huge hey, here's what's going on with North email. And we got back a warning that so many of them had bounced back Mm. that they might flag us as maybe, I don't know, something that we're not, which is, you know, we're not spamming, we're not this, we're not that. So I I don't really know. People who leave their emails there, it looks like may not be the best way to do it. Well, you know what you might do is get a, uh, sometimes people have like a little pad or something, or like a, like an iPad or something, and they'll let people sign in and put their information there. And that's better to type it than it is to handwrite it, because you know I'm. I always like to tell the joke. My mom expected me to be a doctor, and all I got was the handwriting. <laughs> all that old joke, and I, I I think that it's a better way to do that is to, you know, what you might do too is if they write it down, you might take a look at it right away and say, well, could you do, do that one more time? Yeah, because we've had to do that sometimes. We people want to sign up and get emails and stuff like that, and we just look at it and we go like, we have no idea what that is. <laughs> I mean, we should, nothing against you. We want you to be able to get what you want. So that's why oh, we much, always... much appreciated, Wayne. Thanks for uh, everything. It's been uh, a real pleasure. Well, Scott, you know, I wish you much success with this. I cannot wait to see North Number Two come out. Keep me in touch as to th- what's going on with it because I really like the book. I love the concept. I like the heroes. I like the the writing and the artwork's great. Everything comes together and makes this a really great book. And so I I wish you a lot of success going forward. Good luck at the convention upcoming. That might be another place to get more people on board with you. So yeah, man. thanks, buddy. You know, I just realized, uh, I should probably say this, we have a page on Facebook, which is North. Mm-hmm. So that's probably another good way for people to get a hold of us if they want to. Is it just, if you type in the, the word North, it goes right to it? I hope so. <laughs> Take a look here. I'll do it right here while I'm talking to you. Yep, there it is right there. You go to North, and you get right to that page. 
Wonderful. So you get to go there, and you can send a message there too, and everything. And I have not followed this. So guess who? Oh yes, I am following this. I did. I do want to do that. So if you want to keep up with this stuff, this is the thing to do. Go to the, the North page in Facebook. Go to the website because you do have uh, a news page on the website that's really cool too. You're keeping up a lot of things going on. That's a way to Try. keep up with stuff too. So, and I understand. You know, as a creator, you would prefer to create rather than do all the publicity stuff. You know what? I don't have the luxury of that choice right now. I've got to do it all. Yep. Well, you know what? You'll get better at it as time goes along. The more you do it, the better you'll get at it. So, oh, thanks so much. I think you'll be good. So, anyway, Scott, keep it up. And I can't wait to talk with you again sometime in the near future when there's another development coming along. Please let me know and we'll talk again. I think that'd be fine. Thanks so much, Wayne. All new heroes, all new villains. North, issue one of volume one. Here we are at the beginning. And I'm so happy to be able to share the story with you. And uh, let's have some fun. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy. And I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed. But as a symbol... Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. And that's a wrap for this episode. Be sure to be back next week when I'll have another interview with a great comics creator. But until then, keep reading your comics. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.